helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Deborah Keston, who will be talking with us about her book, Whole Person Integrative Eating, and her work around eating. So, Deborah, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. So, tell me a little bit about who you are and, and why whole person integrative eating came into being. Well, it's not a typical story, but it's science-based and the real thing. And what I mean by that is this. I am what I call define as a holistic nutrition researcher, and I research the influence of food on our physical health, but also on our emotions and what I call spiritual well-being, eating with mindfulness, gratitude from the heart, and with loving regard. And the fourth element is social nutrition, eating with others in a pleasant atmosphere. And I came to this model, this whole person integrative eating model, in an unusual way. I, I worked as the nutrition specialist uh, with a physician, you're in Sonoma, you're probably familiar with him, named Dean Ornish, mm -hmm. who showed you can halt and reverse heart disease with lifestyle changes alone without drugs or surgery. And co-author of Whole Person Integrative Eating, which may I say has won the award for being the best health book, uh, number one gold award with Book Excellence Award. And... The co-author is my husband and behavioral scientist, Larry Sherwitz, who worked with Dean Ornish as the director of research for more than, or almost 20 years. Mm. And so I'm bringing this up because Dr. Ornish and Larry has shown that you can halt and reverse heart disease with a no-fat added plant-based diet, exercise, social support, and stress management specifically in Dr. Ornish's model, yoga and meditation. And I bring that up because whole person integrative eating is based on seven elements that show you can halt and reverse overeating and being overweight with seven statistically significant replacement of the overeating styles we've discovered, what I call the new normal overeating styles, replace that with the elements and ingredients of whole person integrative eating, all of which work together like an invisible web to lead to less overeating and weight loss. What a wonderful paradigm, really starting from the bottom up, really bottom up and inside out. And I love the piece where you're talking about the social aspect of eating because, and that brings it from the outside in as well. Yes, it does. Thank you for including ah, that. Yes, yes. So what are a few of the most common issues that you've found that 
prevent people from eating in a really healthy way? Well, the seven, we did research with more than 5,200 people on the Spirituality and Health website, which is a magazine. And we, Larry and I, developed the 76-item questionnaire, What's Your Overeating Style? It's a self-assessment quiz. And before participants learned over six weeks and three lessons a week, learned the whole person integrative eating way of eating, they filled out the quiz and then they filled it out afterward. And what we discovered are two things. One, we discovered the overeating styles, which are the new normal ways of eating for all of us, which is not how we ate for thousands of years. And part number two, we discovered the more people replaced their new normal overeating styles with the elements of whole person integrative eating, the more weight they lost and the less they overate. They started mm. eating more normally and enjoying their relationship to food without dieting. So to answer, yes, continue. No, and I love that, that you're saying that you're basically taking old habits that are not constructive, replacing them with new habits that are constructive, and then the new habits allow you to not be on a roller coaster diet for the rest of your life, ups, downs, but to have a healthy natural diet. Just yeah, a healthy a diet is a way of life. Yes, and a good point, thank you for bringing that up, because I call whole person integrative eating a dietary lifestyle. Yes. It is based on the ancient meaning, the original meaning of the word diet during the time of Hippocrates, often called the father of medicine. And 2000, approximately 2,500 years ago in ancient Greece is when Hippocrates lived. And at that time, the word diet meant way of life. We would now call it lifestyle. Or in Dr. Ornish's situate uh, case, as a lifestyle medicine, which is now a new medical discipline. So I define whole person integrative eating as a dietary lifestyle, a way of life. Over the centuries and millennia, the word diet traveled into Europe, especially into France, and it turned into what we now relate to the word diet as, which is a regimented, restricted way of eating. And so whole person integrative eating is a lifetime practice, a way of life, a dietary lifestyle. Mm, I absolutely love it. And so what are in your questionnaire, what are some of the key issues that you found that cause people to overeat and get into this new normal of overeating? Let me give you the overeating styles and the WPIE, whole person integrative eating antidote. Number one, for example, everyone, these are all statistically significant, even though some of the words are cute uh, and creative. One, we've all heard of this, emotional eating, mm -hmm. stress eating, eating usually to self-soothe negative emotions such as anxiety and anger and depression. And the WPIE antidote to that is positive feelings to eat with positive emotions. And I give you step-by-step -step guidelines on how to do this. 
Number two, overeating style, food fretting. Do you see yourself in this? Dieting obsessively, obsessing about quote unquote the best way to eat. We call this orthorexia now in our culture. And judging yourself and others based on what you're eating and how you're eating and whether it's good or bad. It's mm. obsessing, obsessing about food. The next overeating style we're all familiar with this is fast foodism, which is eating lots of mostly fast food, processed food, denatured food. It's what is familiar to all of us as normal for most of us. And the antidote to that is to eat fresh, whole food in its natural state as often as possible. Mm not rigidly in, in a regimented way, but as often as possible. The antidote, the next overeating style is, and this surprised us, sensory disregard. Not taking time to savor and flavor the tastes and food. Mm -hmm. And to give you a quick example, this is, I described WPIE as ancient food wisdom meets modern nutritional science. Let me give you an example of this. I researched Eastern healing systems, such as Ayurveda, India's Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, and Tibetan medicine, plus world religions, such as uh, Judaism and Christianity, and cultural traditions, such as yogic nutrition, to understand what and how we ate for thousands of years, because nutritional science is only about 100 years old. Before nutritional science as we know it today, we turn to world religions and Eastern healing systems for guidelines about what and how to eat. And the Eastern healing systems I just mentioned for thousands of years base optimal eating and whole nourishment on whether the meal has the six flavors of bitter, sweet, sour, salty, astringent, and pungent. Ah. Not carbs, not carbs, not protein. Not fat, but the six flavors. The six flavors. Yes. I like that. I do too. Look what a different relationship to food that is. Mm -hmm. to bring your attention into your mouth when you're eating and taste the food and look at the aroma, uh, smell the food and the aroma and the scent and the presentation. Very different way of eating compared to, oh, too many carbs, I'm having too much fat in this. Anyway, next overeat, the antidote to sensory disregard is sensory regard to flavor food mm. with loving regard. The next one is task snacking, eating while you're doing other things such as working at your computer, driving in your car, walking down the street. Ah. And the concept of mindfulness is in the culture. It's all over our culture. But the antidote to task snacking is mindfulness eating. And I can see that makes sense. And it also ties into the sensory element before sensory, that. Yes. It, yes. 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 Oh, it makes so much sense. Okay. Connected web. Yes. The last one is solo dining, eating by yourself more often than not. And the antidote to that is to eat with others, here's another overeating style, in a pleasant atmosphere. 
aesthetically and emotionally. Mm. So let me recap because I got six of them and five antidotes. So let let me <laughs> let me go back through them with you. Okay. We have the. Um, the eating styles, first we have food, um, emotional eating, and the antidote to that is eating with positive feelings. I know that I'm making them much, yeah, I'm encapsulating them. Yes, the second you. one is food fretting, yes. dieting obsessively, and what's the antidote to that one? The antidote to that is to appreciate food appreciate. and its origins from the heart. We mm. blessed food for and said prayers over food for thousands of years. Mm. Something that's not too common, still is there, <laughs> not too common anymore in, in the culture, to appreciate food. And that calls for being other-oriented. You're not in your head counting calories and carbs and figuring fat grams. You are bringing your attention to your heart center from your head to your heart. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. I'm not a carb or fat counter, so I'm, I'm with you on this. This is lovely. Okay, then the third one I have is fast foodism. And of course, then we go the antidote is fresh and whole. The fourth that I have is um, sensory disregard, which we're not being that's one that's also there's not mindfulness there and that goes back to the six flavors and so what we want to work on there is sensory regard really being present and noticing the presentation then i have the fifth one being task snacking eating while driving doing other things antidote is mindfulness sixth one i have is solo dining and then the antidote to that is eating with others really appreciating that social aspect of, of being together what is i'm missing one i was not i didn't i mushed it together okay number seven is and this surprised us number seven is unappetizing atmosphere both emotionally <sighs> And aesthetically. Mm. And that means to an appetizing atmosphere means eating in an unpleasant, perhaps the waiter is fighting with somebody or you're having an argument with somebody or people at your dining table are having a disagreement. Unappetizing emotional atmosphere. The other side is the aesthetics. Are you eating, I don't know, while you're filling up your gas tank? and having a cookie or a muffin for, that you got in the, uh, the uh, concession stand. Aesthetic and emotional environment atmosphere. Mm. And I love that because I'm wondering, mm -hmm. uh, and of course the antidote to that would be to make sure that your environment is aesthetically and emotionally appealing, right? Yes, so for yeah. people, so many people eat while they're, you know, in this, likely started in the 50s and 60s, you know, with television trays and television dinners and this and that. So many people eat while watching television. Yes. So they're not being mindful of what they're eating. They're, and some of what's on television is downright horrifying. <laughs> so I can imagine that that practice, which is common for so many people, really touches on several of these issues at once. Oh, a profound comment. Thank you. 
all of the overeating styles I mentioned are all interconnected mm-hmm. and the WPIE antidotes are all interconnected. It's a, when, when Larry was working with Dr. Ornish on the heart disease reversal program, people over the years would always say, well, which is most important, the exercise, the diet, the social support, or the stress management? And Larry would always say, well, which leg of a dog is more important? Mm. So that's kind of my answer. There are seven elements here, all interconnected. Absolutely. And I, you know, I I think about when we're looking at the importance of exercise, diet, social support, stress management, and those really critical elements that are often overwhelming for people to, to manage even one aspect, right? Getting the right social support, um, managing their stress, not feeling anxious all the time. And I have next to me a book from Familius, which is heartbreaking, but very positive, you know, and it's actually called Body Positive, A Guide to Loving Your Body. And the author is Emily Lauren Dick, D-I-C-K. And when you look at the, the book is beautiful and there's lovely graphics and pictures and stories and quotes and workbook sections. But as I was reading it, I was, um, and I count myself a person who tries to really stay up to, uh, you know, up to speed on science and and issues around um, mental health issues. But I was stunned when I read these the uh, several sections, and I'll call out, you know, two of them to you. On on one page, it says the problem is that society has come to view this lack of diversity in size as normal. A study conducted by Dove found that only 11% of girls globally are comfortable describing themselves as beautiful. And that saddened me. Yes, heartbreaking, yes. And so when we're looking at how your work ties into body positivity, the idea of loving your body, when we have all of these images and messages that are telling us we should be perfect, we should count out every calorie, we should count every carb, we should eat a keto diet or this diet, you know, I can't even imagine. It is so much information much of it conflicting, what would your advice be to someone who is struggling to look in the mirror and say, I'm beautiful, I love my body, I might be 100 pounds, I might be, you know, 200 pounds, um, six foot tall or five nine or whatever it is, what would your words of wisdom be? Oh, you're very kind and thank you for this very important question. My opinion is what has changed in society in the last, particularly, I'd say 50, 60 years, to turn the concept, for example, in the 1950s, women might say, depending on your age, grandmother or mother, might say, I'm watching my figure. And something, and the Vogue magazine had, before we had uh, all these top of the line models, Vogue magazine always had very thin models, and perhaps the first power model was Susie Parker in the 1950s, a very thin, very elegant woman. 
what has changed for women to say I'm watching my figure to I want to look like Susie Parker? Mm. And what I'm suggesting is over the last particularly 50, 60, 70 years, it's not society because we are society. Every person struggling with their weight and body image is part of society. So what has changed from, gee, I, I'm watching my figure to obsessing about being a size two and having abs that show. And what I'm suggesting is lots of dynamics have happened over the last 50, 60 years. And the seven overeating styles are a huge part of that to obsess about your weight, obsess about what you're eating, obsess about eating by number and count calories and count carbs. Flash back a hundred years before nutritional science, which is what my research is about. What and how did we eat for thousands of years? Food was one of life's greatest pleasures. And what whole person integrative eating shows you, and again, we're published in two peer-reviewed medical journals. This is not a magic diet. It's a lifetime practice to get better and better at, is to relate to food as a social, ceremonial, sensual pleasure and let your weight fall where it is supposed to be. Because everything recommended in, in terms of what to eat is not only based on my research on whole person integrative eating, but hundreds of other studies support eating fresh whole food in its natural state as often as possible because that is the food is that, that is going to balance and heal mind and body. It's what's going to heal your gut. It's what's going to keep minimize depression, minimize anxiety, because food can make you very anxious. It can make you very depressed if you're not eating fresh whole food, which most of us don't. And I'm suggesting fresh whole food to eat with positive feelings, to eat in a pleasant atmosphere with other people you like and enjoy, to eat mindfully. And I'm suggesting and to taste your food, be present. If you're watching television, for example, while you're eating, well, when you take a bite of whatever you're eating, just pause, take a deep breath, close your eyes, and taste the food. And mm. then after you chew it, go back to your computer, go back to your TV, just pause for a moment. You don't have to change your whole life. I am so appreciative of everything you are saying because you're making it easy for people. You're asking people to really just not see food. I, I made a note when you said food, we have changed food from food being one of life's greatest pleasures to, and I filled in the blank in my uh, head for what I see for so many people is that food has become an enemy Food has become something to be managed. Food has become something to be controlled. And when we fill in that blank, if each of us says, you know, food is what to me, 
And I tend to be of the mindset where um, food is a necessity. It's like, okay, I have to eat, right? I have all these other things to do and I have to make sure I get nourishing food. And you're helping me see that I could really bring some more, even though I say grace and try and be very appreciative, in my world, I can actually, you know, see that the appreciation piece, just slowing down and making it less of a task and more of a joy because, you know, I'm the joy person. So, of course, you're teaching me as I'm listening and I can think of many people in my life and my clients who food is definitely an enemy. They avoid aisles in the store. They avoid this. They avoid, you know, that. And to me, it's all welcome if you eat it in moderation and you're careful and really go back to the basics. Um, if And that's, you know, if we shop the outer aisles of the supermarket, right? Don't go into the center where all the processed food is. Stay in the, you know, where stay where the fresh fruit, fruit is. Stay where the fresh vegetables are. Um, buy organic when you can. I think you're giving um, listeners some fabulous tips. I want to just take one more quote from the Body Positive book um, and a Body Positive Guide to Loving Your Body. And this piece is just so important to me. There are different quotes from different women. And I'll read two of them, actually three of them, because they tie into what you said. Um, I struggle with depression. I often can't tell if I'm depressed from my negative body image or if I have a negative body image because I'm depressed. I often try to eat healthy and stick to an exercise routine. I often think about dieting, but logic myself out of it. Another woman wrote, I don't have any clinical disorders, but I think all women probably show some sign, uh, show signs of some symptoms, or at least of the language and the thoughts around eating, dieting, exercise, etc. Another woman, I've had an eating disorder for three years. I purge everything. I ate. At first, I would only purge if I'd had something unhealthy or bad, but then I started to do it with everything I ate. I saw a therapist and I'm fine now, but eating disorder thoughts are starting to slowly creep back. My mom is a huge health nut and exercise freak, so that doesn't really help. So I think those quotes from the Body Positive, A Guide to Loving Your Body book really illuminate how distance we've become as a society. And you're right, we are society because we are our thoughts and feelings and attitudes are all part of what make up society. So I think that going back to the piece where if we look at food as being one of life's true pleasures and true privileges to have good healthy food, right? It's such a privilege that if we're able to use to go back to your basic pieces of how to eat more mindfully, eat whole, eat mindfully. Don't worry about the carbs and the this and the that. If you're listening to your body, mind, and spirit and eating in accord with with that and foregoing as much as possible things that you know aren't good for you, like fast food and sodas and all of that, then it sounds like listeners would be well on their way to living in a whole person integrative eating style. How did I do? <laughs> a plus. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. 
So you have been just such a wealth of information. I just want to get back to the Body Positive book for a minute because you've really um, I love that you, I've, I've never heard of Susie Parker and I now want to look her up, but it sounds as if you're, you're in agreement that media, starting back with not blaming Vogue and, and print ads and all of that, but that indeed the media, the pressure of the media is not possibly the greatest thing for people's self-image. What do you think? Again, I think it's a mirror opposite kind of thing, meaning my question is Susie Parker was bone thin and beautiful and elegant and top Vogue model in the 50s. Women understood that she was a model and that was her job to be very thin and elegant and beautiful. They were not saying, I want to be a size two like Susie Parker. Mm. So I come back to what has happened. The media, it's gotten much more intensive, of course. What has shifted in our thinking, particularly of women, but we all know that men struggle with these issues also, but it's more women. What has happened? And what I'm suggesting is this. You mentioned food as a kind of something to count. And a chemist 100 years ago, when nutritional science started, named Wilbur Olin Atwater, he told us, food is fuel, the body's a machine. Gee, is that familiar? And <laughs> still in our culture, what I'm saying to you is this. I've researched ancient food wisdom from world religions, Eastern healing systems, and cultural traditions, what and how we ate for thousands of years before nutritional science, which is only about 100 years old. And food has always been a social ceremony, essential pleasure. Here, let me give you a profound example. What started me on my odyssey is an interview I did in New Delhi, India, with a physician named Dr. Clinical Cardiologist, Dr. K.L. Chopra who is the father of well-known transformation leader, Deepak Chopra. Deepak, got it. Yes. And Dr. Sh I was going to, I used to write for magazines and I thought, well, I'll ask Dr. Chopra about yoga and diet. And his first comment to me, immediate response was, the Bhagavad Gita, which is more than 5,000 years old, which is Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, he said, espouses cooking with love. And we believe your prana, your consciousness, is infused into the food when you eat. And in turn, when you ingest that food, you metabolize the consciousness with which the food was prepared. And I thought, again, cooking with love, it's in our culture still. And I thought, here's a clinical cardiologist talking about cooking with love. He is talking about an ancient world religion, Hinduism. And I thought if Hinduism espouses cooking with love, surely other world religions, cultural traditions, Eastern healing systems, ancient food wisdom have taught us this also. And that's what started me on what I call my nutrition journey around the world. But don't be jealous. It was from my computer. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to wrap up. A researcher named Robert Narum 
showed that when rabbits who were fed a very high cholesterol diet were held by the research assistant when they were being fed with loving regard, they did not develop clogged arteries and heart disease. The other two thirds of the rabbits did. And he repeated it got the same results. I'm saying that your consciousness, not just what you're eating, your consciousness when you eat affects the metabolism of food and in turn your weight, your gut, and your health. And that makes absolute sense. And what wonderful basic building blocks you have given us. I just want to add I could talk to you for hours, by the way. Um, we're so aligned, but and I'm learning yeah, from you yeah. as well. But I do want to go back to the body positive piece for one moment because oh. it actually ties into the, I believe, in my first book, Joy from Fear, I talk about the voice of toxic comparison. And I think that that is what, you know, we're speaking the same truth in a different in different ways that what you saw with the 1950s and I just want to reiterate it for the audience is that I see her and she's lovely and oh my goodness isn't that dress on her lovely and I would like to watch my figure so I feel lovely in my figure and now it is we would see Susie Parker or a model and we would say I don't look like Susie Parker. I should look like this. I should look like Twiggy. I should look like this movie star. I should look like that. And that that is the piece where obsessive thinking, obsessive behavior makes us want to compare. Well, the, the comparison comes first, of course, and then the obsessive thinking and behavior follow because we are comparing ourselves in toxic ways to this ideal and this ideal that is often airbrushed. And even in the case where it is somebody's actual physical body, we aren't all built to look the same. Some people have very naturally eight pack bodies and other people they can diet and exercise until they die and they will not have an ab you know an eight pack ab it, it's just not their physical way of being and so i want to check in with you to see what you think of that that it is the voice of toxic comparison that comes up in us and that this is the shift because i really love this idea that this is the shift that now we use that voice of toxic comparison to work not that comparison ever works for us mind you in, in most cases but that now it's become translated into obsessive thoughts and obsessive um, behaviors that are really ruining our mental health our physical health our spiritual health what do you think i, I agree completely again we've learned to relate to our bodies and to food and to image image underline that with and give it a big circle in yellow and red image is this here's a big powerful question i don't have a quick fix uh cbt answer here's a big question do you want to live your life the precious gift of your life thinking about your looks and your body. And I used to say this to nieces and nephews and cousins when, when they would visit us when they graduated high school and college. I think the biggest gift we can give our children 
and ourselves is to learn to observe, not judge and criticize, observe ourselves and other people. Do you want to know people and be good friends with people who live their life judging you on how you look and what size dress or pants you wear? Observe, do you want to know people who are not kind people, not, geez, a nice guy, we use that expression. I am using the word kind. And I can tell you over the years, Larry, husband and I, we only want to know people who are kind. Not nice guy, that's kind of boring, but who live their life wanting, wanting to see who you are and know who you are. Wanting to be with you and not because of status, not because of your title, not because you're a size two, not because you wear the best makeup and have the best hairstyle on the planet. They want to know you. So I think, I think, and this is not an easy quick fix, the biggest gift we can give to ourselves is to observe ourselves and see if we are being kind to ourselves and others and to observe if the people in our life, family and friends and schoolmates and whomever you want to emulate, do you really want to live your life that way and be with people like that? And the, the other side is, this is a personal thing. I've always said to people, because I've certainly coached many people with weight issues and body issues, and I've always said, <laughs> If I were an actress and I got paid $20 million for a movie, I'd be willing to starve myself and stay super thin. But I am an everyday person and I am not paid $20 million to obsess about how I look. And therefore, I really want to live my life filled with kindness for myself and others. And I absolutely appreciate that. And for our listeners, I want to emphasize um, the truth that kindness, and, and this is what Deborah and I are talking about, that kindness doesn't simply stop at, at you know, giving somebody a hug. Kindness is from the inside out, body, mind, and spirit, being kind in thoughts, Thoughts to yourself, thoughts oriented toward others, kind with your feelings, kind in your words, kind in your gestures, and then kind in your daily actions. And when you live from that place of kindness, you find that you automatically tend to eat in kinder ways because kindness becomes a part of your life. You're more in touch with that inner part of you that I believe we all really do our best when we touch and live with our internal essence which is kindness and joy or joy you know whatever you want want however you want to phrase it so thank you for offering that beautiful closing piece i agree with you now you've given me a question to ask you know many people 
and myself included, but I, I already know my answer. If somebody paid me $20 million to stay thin and be desperately, you know, to focus on my life that way, where I am now, maybe there was a day where I would say yes, but definitely where I am now, I would say no. <laughs> I would say no, keep your I'm an actress, Carla. <laughs> no, no, I would say keep your twenty million dollars, please, and, and let me have my joy. Thank you very much. Let me have my Twinkie. <laughs> yes, let me just have my peace, um, because you're right. It's to to um, give up the self for for whether it's images that society wants us to be or you know a body and, and not feeling good in the home that is our body that's a big ask that's a, a big, big ask, ask. it's a, not a quickie uh, little tip for you a big no, ask it's shifting your ask. whole way of being in the world yes. with yourself and other people and others and it starts with us Yes. Starts with us. So, Deborah, I thank you so much for sharing your time with me and with us today. Um, I would like to give you an offer, if you would please, to share where people can find you. This is Deborah Keston, K E S T E N, Whole Person Integrative Eating. So, Deborah, where can you be found? Thank you so much. I please visit my website integrativeeating.com. We now have a certification program for licensed and certified health professionals. So if you want help and support, I would suggest one in Whole Person Integrative Eating, the book. There's the What's Your Overeating Style Quiz, and you can take it and Identify your trouble start uh, spots. That's a good start. And if you want support, we have certified WPIE specialists in the training section of integrativeeating.com. Thank you. And is there maybe one or two more just simple key ideas that you might want? We've covered so much, so I know we could keep going, but one or two more key ideas that you would like very simple nuggets you would like to leave, leave you know, our listeners with today. Thank you for that. I think the question is not, how should I eat to lose weight? I want to go on a diet. I think the question is, what and how can I eat so I can enjoy my food and not only lose weight, but reduce the odds of all these other chronic conditions about diet, which is diabetes and heart disease and certain cancers and high blood pressure. The question is, how can I eat to balance mind and body? And that includes reducing the odds of depression and anxiety and anger. All this is interconnected with your diet Enjoy your food. That's enjoy fresh whole food. That's the secret. Because because fresh whole food, plant-based foods, especially fruits and veggies and whole grains and beans and peas and nuts and seeds, have not only the vitamins and minerals, but the phytochemicals. We were identifying all these other right nutrients in food, antioxidants we've all heard about. It's in fruits and veggies. And 
fiber, 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 all of those nutrients and plant-based foods, fresh whole plant-based foods are going to help to heal, and I mean balance, mind and body. And that is the secret. And there you have it, listeners, the secret to healthy eating, healthy body positivity, um, healthy body image, healthy way of being in the world, right? Oh, my goodness. So thank you for being with us today, Deborah. And as we conclude today's podcast, I would like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. And if you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. And I thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It has been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together, heal together, and we love forever when we read together. Oh.